Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Tunnel of Love. You're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order one by one. My name is Rob Carmack. I'm joined here as always by JB Clark. Hey, how you doing today? JB, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. Good. Well, uh, we are entering a season of lots and lots of songs from the Tunnel of Love album slash outtakes from the Tunnel of Love sessions. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a big one. This is the title song, Tunnel of Love, from the, 19- right. from, from the 1987 album of Tunnel of Love. Yes. So, <laughs> how many times can I say that in this one uh, recording? I bet you can say it a few more times. I'm sure I will. The song Tunnel of Love, uh, this was the second single from the album of the same name. The song reached, or the single reached number nine on the Billboard charts, and the B-side for the song was one we ha- we actually haven't gotten to yet, which was Two for the Road. And uh, the most recent live performance of the song Tunnel of Love was June 25th, 2016 in Gothenburg, Sweden. That's the last time uh, Bruce has performed this song. So that's the, those are the nuts and bolts, the nitty-gritty, the basic facts of this song. Um, I don't really know exactly where to start. I have a feeling we should probably start by talking about synthesizers. Yeah, there's, there's synthesizers on here. You know, uh, there's, uh, that's, that's, that's how the record goes. That is an understatement. There, there, there are synthesizers on many songs on this album. This, this song, the scaffolding of this song is synthesized. Like, in, in fact, this song... Because there's a synthesizer like prologue, and then like the main song begins with more synthesizers, but different synthesizers. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is the synthiest song I've ever. This is the only song where I legitimately can't imagine what it would sound like without the synthesizers. You know what I mean? Like I imagine. I imagine this is how it went. I imagine there was one day where Bruce came into the studio. He's got this idea rolling around in his head. He's got some lyrics. He's got a melody. He walks in and Roy Bitten is sitting there and he's got the biggest grin on his face. He looks so happy. He's like the cat that swallowed the canary. And Bruce says, what's going on, Roy? You look really excited. You look really pleased with yourself. And Roy's like, yes, listen, I've been sitting here with this keyboard. Check out the sound this thing makes when I push this button. <laughs> and then Bruce was like, that is amazing. I'm going to build a whole song around that sound. And that's what happened here. Well, this, uh, was it in, was it in his autobiography or to read this somewhere else where like when Bruce moved out to LA, Roy like basically built him a synthesizer studio. I don't remember that specific detail, but sure. <laughs> that sounds right. Cause, and yeah, yeah, and so Bruce is like, oh, wait, I can make all these sounds by myself on a piano? He's like Ferris Bueller. Like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like pushing keys. Uh, there's a, there's this moment where Bruce is like, oh, I don't have to have anybody. Because he had, a, you know, all these sounds. Now they'll uh, really call me the boss. Now I have a synthesizer. Yeah. yeah, now I'm not just everybody's boss. I'm my own boss. That's right. I'm the boss of a synth. Yeah, I've always wanted to be my own boss. I don't know. There's definitely like some Carly Rae Jepsen vibes in here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to her new record. It's super good. Oh, good. <laughs> but yeah, it's got some super weird and super synthy. I mean, very 1987. You know, you got some like uh, some of those weird sort of like donkey jaw or whatever sort of like ratchety sounds in the background. Uh there's a very 1987 guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, th- this song uh, th- this song could only have existed in 1987. 
Yeah. And I say, I, I, it sounds like I'm kind of down on the song. I, I realize like there are, there are lots of Bruce Springsteen fans for whom this is in their top ten. And this is this is a good song. But, I mean, if you thought we were going to get out of here without us making some synthesizer jokes, you're, you're crazy. So, well, and it's not just the synth. It's like the number of auxiliary noises in this song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, lot, there's lots of extra. There's some sound effects. There, I, I've been playing this video game called Tropico 5. It's the fifth installment in the greatest video game series of all times in which you're the dictator or president of your tiny island nation. Uh, it's such a good game. I was playing it literally right before we started recording. Very good. Cool. And there's this – whenever you get a new mission in the game, it makes this sort of like bell ringing sound. You know, like someone on a messenger bike on a small island in the 50s pulling up to the palace. Bring, bring. And that same bell is in this song. In the intro of the song. Oh, no way. And every time I hear this song, I immediately think like, oh, I've got to build three more banana farms. <laughs> <laughs> it's Pavlovian. You have to buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love it. Uh, I, I, I love and also am super annoyed by like the number of auxiliary. Just every all the auxiliary sounds could be handled by um like a wood block and a cymbal <laughs> on an actual drum kit. You know what I mean? Uh, and it feels like a lot of the synths could be handled with like bells or guitars or whatever. But at the same time, it's 1987. Um, they're just doing, they're trying to make some 1987 music. Yeah. So uh, the drums are really nice too. Like they got some, they're doing some really cool sort of sitting inside of this electrical and uh, very like heavily auxiliary um, sampled song and, and the drums are like doing some really nice just sort of sitting in there and playing against it um, and the keys are really nice going in and out of the Shana-Nas. Uh it, the song is really nicely layered it's just it's just weird it's not a Bruce it doesn't feel like a Bruce Springsteen you know thing it feels more like an aha outtake <laughs> it's not like I love aha that record is that uh, take on me record that whole record is awesome. Yeah. It's just, it, it's weird to sort of, you know, oh, okay, this is what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, and he's definitely, like, trying to, like, stretch himself a little. Because th this is the follow-up album to Born in the USA. Yeah. Which, I mean, Born in the USA was not without synthesizers, but Lord Almighty. Were, well, I mean, was he holding back in Born in the USA if this is what he was capable of? Have y'all ever seen that guy, like, in the 80s cover band? He's got a, a big piano stand that has, like, two laptops three keyboards and like an arp over on the side and he's wearing a keytar and then he's got like one of those Britney Spears headsets on and a mullet that stretches down the, the middle of his spine and he's playing like he's somehow with two hands he's playing like six different keyboards yeah that's this song <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool and the intro has some really cool sort of like double bass on the drums I, don't know, I love this sort of like crossover between 80s synth pop percussion and metal drums <laughs> there's a really uh like there's a whole area of youtube of just like super metal drummers do doing um live drum covers of of um bjork songs <laughs> you know, like that song crystalline mm -hmm. there's so many metal drummers like playing all those samples on the drum like there's it's it's really fun the way that like the two kind of match up and that's like the intro to this is very much sounds kind of like a Sort of metal drummer wrote it, and it's fun. Yeah. Well, and um, I mentioned before, so the personnel on this is interesting, because uh, Roy Bitten is doing all the keys, synthesizers, you know, more synthesizers. Um, Max Weinberg's on the drums, Patty Scalfa's on background vocals, and 
a fresh into the E Street Band uh, guitar player, Nils Lofgren, is playing the lead guitar parts in this. And this is this is the first E Street Band album that Nils would pr- play on because uh, Stephen Van Zandt left the band mid uh, Born in the USA sessions. Yeah, Nils is just doing like on his like on his palm mute with a little phaser on his guitar all the way through it. While the synths are just like, pew, pew, pew. you know, people are just like shooting lasers all around him out of their keyboards. And he's just over there going <laughs> all the way through it until his guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ripping. Uh, it's a very, good solo. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very much like piped into a tube. It's it's very 80s effects. Very, very 80s effects. And uh, oh, and also there are some sound effects that include the sound. And it's the actual sound. The sound of a family riding a roller coaster in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Huh. That's a real... Like, I don't know where exactly you go. Like, I guess you go to Point Pleasant, New Jersey. I don't know whose job it was to go out. Like, in the middle of recording this song, was Bruce like, where's the intern? Because <laughs> we need somebody to go out to Point Pleasant and hold up a microphone so that we can get exactly this sound. Because this is we're going to a day in the life this thing. A day in That's the life, by the way, is a Beatles song where there's an actual alarm clock sound is why I made that reference. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, man, I, I don't know outside I mean, the synthesizers just sort of take over. So I don't really know uh, that in the guitar solo. Like, I, I don't really know what else to say about the music of this song. You know, it's the melody is pleasant. I really like yeah. it. it. Everything's really nicely uh, done and it's super, super well layered. In, in 1987, you know, like this is this is top shelf producing, and I mean, 1987. By the way, I, I'm going to make the argument: 1987 may be one of the best years of rock and roll, like ever. Like that, because this album came out, but also U2 um, put out the Joshua Tree that year. This is the year that I think Michael Jackson put out Bad that year. Uh, oh, yeah. Pr- Prince puts out Sign of the Times. Um, there's a, I don't have a, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm just trying to remember like there, there are a handful of albums that I, Oh, um, I want to say appetite for destruction from guns and roses came out this year. Like this is, this is a crazy good year for rock music. And so all that stuff comes out and then, uh, and, and you also have this album, which this album I realized, uh, did not early on. It took a little while for this album to garner support from hardcore Bruce Springsteen fans. But I think, I think it has aged well. Yeah, it certainly has a special place. And yeah, Appetite for Destruction did come out this year. I remember my brother was like 11, my youngest brother. I was real into music, and he was just trying to like find something to do in common with me because he was way younger than me. And I was listening to Appetite for Destruction, or he found it maybe, and he was just like, it's, he's such a uh, not into music sort of jockey kid, and he was just like, what? That was the first time he had ever like listened to music, and it was Appetite for Destruction, and well, he was man, like eleven. Appetite for just... Destruction was made for jocks. Like that that album is that that it's album true, was meant to be yeah. played for as loud as possible in a locker room. But he was just like bowled over by it. It was super funny just to see him. That's the first thing that he thought about musically was that it was fun. So we listened to a lot of that together. That's a great album. Back in 1987, it is a great album. <laughs> Ten years after that album came out. Yes, which was 1987. Yes. Um, all right. Well, uh, should we? Or is there is there more? I don't want to skip over anything musically. This um, is there anything? No, that's it. Okay. We, we have we have hit the the uh, synthesizers on the head. <laughs> all right. So here are the lyrics to the song "Tunnel of Love." Fat man sitting on a little stool takes the money from my hand while his eyes take a walk all over you. So the image here obviously is like we're at a 
an amusement park at a carnival of some sort, and there's a carny <laughs> sitting on a stool, and narrator walks up, hands the guy a ticket, and the guy like checks out narrator's girlfriend, right? Like that's right. that's what we're seeing. So this is hands me that ticket, hands me the ticket, smiles and whispers, "Good luck, cuddle up, angel, cuddle cuddle up, my little dove. We'll ride down, baby, into this tunnel of love." And this is classic sort of Bruce Springsteen songwriting. It's not a chorus. There's a it's the refrain, like where it says. Um, ride down, baby, into the tunnel of love. That's that's how it, um, you know. That, that's where you find sort of the the non-chorus refrain. Yeah. So so the image is is straightforward. We're at a carnival slash amusement park type thing. Then it says, uh, second verse says, "I can feel the soft silk of your blouse and them soft thrills in our little fun house." Then the lights go out and it's just the three of us, you, me, and all that stuff we're so scared of. Got to ride down, baby, into this tunnel of love. That's a killer line. What the just the three of us, you, me, and all the stuff we're so scared of? Yeah, that is a good line. That's good. That's really good songwriting. Well, and and also, this is very much in inside the theme of this album. Like, I think if you look at Brilliant Disguise, the song, you, you well, yeah, sort of, that is a, a Brilliant Disguise line, right? I mean, and that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so much in this album. Like, it, all roads lead to Brilliant Disguise, which is which is a way of saying like every, almost all the songs with with a a couple of exceptions, like um, Ain't Got You and All That Heaven Will Allow. But th- most of these songs are about sort of the pretense of love versus the reality of love and Brilliant Disguise sort of being like the perfect encapsulation of that. And th- this this song here, or this line exactly, where it says, you, me, and all the stuff we're so scared of. Like there, there's a thing... There's a thing that we're hiding from ourselves and from each other, and it takes up so much space that it might as well be a third person. Yeah. You know? So... Um, so that's this, and just sort of like the, because the, the metaphor of relationship as carnival ride is not that novel, but the idea that you use it to talk about all the different ways that carnival, not, not just like, this is exciting, but it's also like scary, but also like go a little, like go one level into it. And it's actually kind of, it's confusing and it's, um, it's disorienting and it, uh, in a lot of ways, it kind of brings out a lot of things that we're trying to, to not look at and not talk about. So, um, so Bruce takes a metaphor that's not on its face all that unique. And he, I think he examines it in a really interesting way, you know? Yeah. So then, uh, then, then it says, there's a cra- crazy mirror showing us both in 5d. I'm laughing at you. You're laughing at me. There's a room of shadows that gets so dark, brother. It's easy for two people to lose each other in this tunnel of love. So yeah, it's, it's, it's more of, of that. Like we're, there's a crazy mirror showing us both in 5d. Like, so, um, which is, I guess that's sort of interesting, right? Because, like, what would that even be? Like, what would 5D... <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it shows us from so no many... I have no idea. Yeah, it, but I, I think in the idea here, I, I think it's like it shows us from so many different angles that it's um, it's confusing and disorienting, and we can't all... We, like, the only thing we can do is laugh in the face of it because it's so um, just bonkers. Then it says, It ought to be easy, ought to be simple enough. Man meets woman, and they fall in love. But the house is haunted, and the ride gets rough. And you've got to learn to live with what you can't rise above if you want to ride down, ride on down in through this tunnel of love. So, um, yeah. So basically, again, not unlike Brilliant Disguise or so many other songs, like you get into this and it's very exciting and it's thrilling and there's endorphins and all, all, all the other things that kind of go with the thrill of, you know, those first moments. And then like the further into it you get, you realize like, it's complicated and it's, it, it can be scary, but it can also be disorienting and it can pull things out of us that maybe we weren't quite ready for. Yeah. So, and something kind of interesting is 
on this tour, on the Tunnel of Love Express tour, they had a stage design, like, where all the band, you know, like, right now, or, it, like, the on the last E Street Band, or, or the, all, all the most recent tours, all the E Street Band members would come out two at a time until Bruce, and Bruce would come out, one, like, by himself. Um, they would just, like, walk up from the staircase. Um, what they would do on this tour was everybody was riding on a tunnel of, like, you know, like a boat. Like, they had a setup where everybody was coming oh, out of a literal nice. tunnel of love. Um, and, and like... That's so cheesy and great. It's so cheesy. Yeah, and, like, so everybody would come out um, two at a time and, like, take their places on the stage until, like, Bruce would finally come out. So uh, that was, you know, may- maybe not, like the coolest idea ever <laughs> for a stage design, but I, I get it. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody had the idea and it, it felt like a good idea, idea at the time. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's the song tunnel of love. So apparently, right. apparently the narrator feels that love marriage romance is way more complicated than it should be, which again, like, yeah, we've been listening to this album for a while now. We're, we are aware. So, um, yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the lyrical content or, any, anything that kind of jumps out at you? No, I think it's super straightforward. It's enjoyable for something that's sort of out of the wheelhouse of Bruce and also myself. Um, but the yeah, the lyrics really tie it together. The lyrics make it, you know, that Bruce Springsteen song. It's nice. Yeah, and and he he really sells it. Like when he's when he's singing it, he you can like that. That's the thing he kind of brings to it, right? Like when he's performing it, it he sounds very earnest in his delivery, and so even. Even like beyond like what cuts through sort of the the oversynthesized, you know, sound effects or or whatever. Like when when he sings, it sounds like Bruce Springsteen, and that's yeah, and that's a good thing. How many crazy mirrors do you give this song? I give it four. I'm right there with you. I'm a four also on this. Yeah, it's it's uh super nice. I think there are going to be people upset that neither of us gave the song a five. Um, but what do you? It's okay. Do? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I because. Like, like I said, I, I've seen this song show up somewhat frequently on people's, like, top lists. And, and I get it. Like, if, especially if you were a child of the 80s and this sound really speaks to you. Like, I can I can, I can see how this would really push all those buttons. It's just, like, I, like, my, my musical taste was formed in the 90s. And um, I was, I was trained, I was trained in, at the school of Pearl Jam not to appreciate sounds like that. So I had to kind of learn after the fact to, to really appreciate songs that are this heavy on synth. But I do like it a lot. Yeah. Four is a good rating, I think. All right, man. Well, give us another nickname. All right. Yeah, we got another nickname. And this nickname is for Brian King. And uh, Brian and I have been emailing back and forth a little bit. Super uh, uh, nice guy. And uh, he's a Texan. So. Yeehaw. Where uh, in Texas? Uh, DFW. Hey, all right. I, th- I think he's going to be on Jesse's show. This uh, I, He'll have been on Jesse's show when this comes out, I think. Uh, yeah, oh, he, nice. he's from I think he's from Canada, but he's. He's 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 in Texas now, you know. We we got him. We got a good one. Nice. Anyway, so uh, and also he has run uh, a marathon number of marathons. Twenty six. So yes, he has run twenty six marathons. Big Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, he, I, he this Tunnel Love record, I think, is when he said he got into Springsteen, and has been a devotee ever since. I think that's what he said, if I remember correctly from our conversations. Anyway. Here's the nickname. Uh, the long-distance freak Brian King, a marathon of marathons, <laughs> brought more medals uh, than you could ever need, running in Blue Jay Blue, running in Victory Green. He's pounded more miles of pavement than Broadway shows from Springsteen. He's fast. He's fleet. He's a living legend, a long-distance freak, Brian King. 
I love it. Yeah. There's a little uh, little uh, Canadian baseball and uh, Texas hockey references in there. I know that sounds backwards, but it's not. Uh, I was pumped to find out he was a Dallas Stars fan. So. <laughs> well, he's a Canadian uh, who lives in Texas, so like that's kind of the law, isn't it? Like, doesn't he have to be a Dallas Stars? Yeah, fan? but yeah, if you're from Toronto, you'd think he'd be a Maple Leafs fan, and maybe maybe he could be convinced later to be a Rangers fan. Once he moves to Texas, uh, yeah. uh, Rangers baseball fan, but no, he's a Blue Jays fan and a Dallas Stars fan, which is fine. I don't I like it. the Blue Jays. I Shuffle get the deck. It, uh, though. Yeah, but uh, hey, go Stars. And uh, Ben Bishop, congratulations on uh, breaking the record for most consecutive minutes without conceding a goal. Oh, uh, big things I, happening in the net. I'm glad you in, said that because I was about to. So thank you. For I know you were. That, you've yeah. been talking Ben Bishop a lot lately. You know, Big Ben, as you always call him. Is he, uh, is he a hockey person? He is. He's a. He is the uh, Dallas Stars primary netminder. We have uh, uh, some so that, others. Does that make him the goalie? See the. Goalie? He is the goalie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Since last night, what it's changed to, but he something like had made ninety-one straight saves without giving up a goal, which is. I mean, who hasn't uh, these days? Uh, <laughs> very few people. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's a lot. <laughs> So anyway, um, Dallas, Dallas Stars, go Stars, go Stars, go. But you know, you know what makes Brian better than him? Is What's that? That the Brian is a patron of the show, and that, that's right. That hockey person you just talked about is not. So yeah, Ben Bishop does not uh, patronize our show. No, Ben Ben Bishop can take a backseat to Brian. That's what I. That's say. right. So Brian King, who is the king of high speed chases, supports the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you want to be a patron and have your own uh, nickname on the show and or uh, any other number of, of um, incentives, rewards, what do you call them? I don't know. Bonuses. You can support the show at uh, patreon.com slash Springsteen. We give half of that money to No Kid Hungry, uh, helping feed kids in America. So go check it out. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You know, whether you're a patron or not, holler at us. Shoot us line, hit us up on Twitter, let us know what you like about the show. I feel like we should have spent a minute or two talking about how patronizing the line cuddle up my little dove is. Yeah, speaking of patronizing. <laughs> I don't know what, like all of us, because I was about to say it to you. I was about to say, all right, well, cuddle up now, my little dove. But then I realized, like, he put that in a song. That's super condescending or patronizing. I wish, yeah. I wish he would have just said that, like not even brought it up. It just been like, all right, we'll cuddle up, my little dove. We'll see you next time. Or if he would have like, said, like, <laughs> like when he comes out on stage, like, hey, how's everybody in New Jersey tonight? Let's cuddle up, my little dove. Yeah, everybody come on, been my like, little doves. Everybody would have uh, been like, what the hell did Bruce Springsteen just say? <laughs> but you put it in a song, and it's art. So Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's Tunnel of Love. That's we Tunnel did of it. Love. That's Brian High Speed chasing, what, what, was the, what was the name again? Speed, uh, long speed distance freak. freak. Long distance freak. Right. 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 All right. Yeah. I was a distance runner in high school. I ran the you 5K. Were? Yeah. A little bit. I didn't know you were an athlete. Look I wouldn't that. go that far. I, I ran cross country. I, um, you know, did a 5K two or three times. <laughs> and, and then I got older and I went to college and I started eating pizza every day. And that was the end of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, don't be like me. Be like Brian. Brian's better than me. So yes. um, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. 
Everybody have a good weekend, and we will be back in your feed next week with the song TV Movie. We'll see you then.